Hi, I'm Alex, and welcome to The Research Room, a space to make research by the people, for the people. And today we're going to be continuing our conversation on pain. Uh, so last week we talked all about the biopsychosocial model, and uh, I, I'll rehash that a little bit over here. Um, but we're going to try something a little bit different. Uh, I'm just I'm going to be talking by myself uh, for today, um, and I, I hope that I can get across um, a lot of different points here uh, by <clears throat> just like explaining a little bit about uh, research uh, on pain and all the different findings that are out there. Um, so this particular uh, episode, it, it might be a little bit more on the heavy side, um, potentially. Uh, so I, I did want to just like give that warning uh, beforehand when we're talking about race, when we're talking about ethnicity, when we're talking about culture, uh, and especially within America, um, that can be a very heavy topic. Um, so if for any reason uh, you feel like that uh, might be too stressful, that's completely okay, but I do hope uh, by the end of this that um, we have talked through um, a lot of uh, the different considerations that we should be making uh, when it comes to potentially all of the uh, psych psychological aspects that come uh, in with pain, as well as the social uh, and the uh, interactional sort of nature of, of pain. So that could uh, definitely involve things like discrimination. So um, I, I also before I jump into the actual content, um, I do want to say um, with this episode in particular, I, I want to be able to get uh, feedback. Uh, I want to hear from you. Uh, th that's going to be much more important than anything that I really have to say here. Um, and I, I say that because research, uh, at least as it is right now, uh, it's very limited. Um, this is not perfect just yet. Uh, this is not all encompassing. We, we don't have the like holistic picture of the medical system and um, how, how it uh, might end up treating different people differently based off of things like race and ethnicity. Um, so especially if you, if you feel like your experiences uh, just don't match with this, um, that is very useful to know. Uh, and that uh, will also help improve the research and hopefully improve this interaction uh, as well. Um, but I guess on the flip side, uh, maybe maybe everything does uh, end up uh, echoing your life uh, in some way or another, um, or maybe you do resonate uh, with this. Uh, that's also really good to know. That, that means that like research is actually on the right track. Um, but either way, that that kind of feedback is gonna be great. Um, so I, would, I did wanna say that that's like, that's the whole purpose of the research room really. Um, uh, yes, uh, we talk about research, we talk about findings, but that will only go so far because that is just how things happen on average. You have your own experiences uh, and your experiences are going to mean that much more. Um, and you, you, your experiences might go along with their averages uh, that we find in research. It might not. Uh, and either way, that's useful. So uh, without further ado, I guess, um, the paper that I'm going to be discussing today is um, by Samantha Mites um, and her colleagues. Back in 2019, she did a, uh, a review, basically, uh, of this whole topic, and she held her paper, Racial and Ethnic Differences in the Experience uh, and Treatment of Non-Cancer Pain. And I mean, that non-cancer pain, it seems oddly specific, but when thinking about pain, um, cancer patients and the pain that goes along with that is fairly different. It's a very different like beast to like handle. Uh, it comes uh, with um, many other considerations um, that, of course, these things that I'll be talking about today, they influence, but there's so many other medications and so many other um, treatment options that go along with that, that uh, it, it does make it a little bit more unique uh, compared to maybe your everyday pain or just like other types of chronic pain. Um, so this is specifically about things that aren't cancer related. <clears throat> and so uh, I, I did also want to do this earlier on uh, in, in the series. Um, this is the second within the pain uh, series. So uh, last week, we, we definitely talked about like just a really broad model uh, with Dr. Wright. Um, and I, I think the biopsychosocial model is great. Um, but this is us now really focusing in on the latter two, uh, and especially I think the social aspects of this. So culture uh, in, in general, um, that's something that's, uh, it, just, it leaks into most uh, aspects of our lives, right? Um, and I mean, culture is also very much tied to the idea of race or ethnicity. Um, 
it doesn't have to be necessarily um you, you get culture from many other aspects of your life um that could be from like sexual orientation that could be from your gender identity that could be from just the, the nation that you live in um and and uh how much you um go along with that nation's ideals uh it, it's also about like work potentially right like i mean there's the, a culture of work there's a culture of uh what you all end up agreeing upon as a group of people um that there are certain ways to act and certain ways not to act um certain ways to perceive things certain ways not to perceive things um so all of that constitutes culture. Um, and this specific episode will be um, thinking about culture as it specifically relates to race and ethnicity. Um, so the ways that we are grouped together <coughs> based um, predominantly on our uh, skin color. Um, and uh, those experiences, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a great way of grouping people together, but um, it, it is certainly one way uh, and people end up having similar experiences because of things like skin color. Um, and that's why, uh, I mean, like systematically, um, we do end up seeing these kinds of effects. So I guess what I want to say is that there's, um, this is not going to be like fully exhaustive of everything as well. Um, there's going to be a lot of things that I cover, hopefully. And I think also like if this goes on too long, uh, I, I will stop and I'll probably, um, I'll continue this next week, but uh, hopefully I can fit in everything that I want to say here. So there's, there's three different levels of things that go on uh, with um, thinking about uh, race and ethnicity as it might pertain to paint. So there are the patient factors, there are provider factors, and then there are system factors. <laughs> and uh, with, uh, I, if we're also like thinking again about the biopsychosocial model, then the patient factors are that psych uh, psychological factor. Uh, this is within you, the individual. What is your perception? What are your feelings? Things like that. Uh, and that, that's basically the same thing there. When it comes to provider factors, that is um, much more about uh, the social aspects. Um, this is how your provider is reacting to you and responding to you and like the way that they approach your pain. Um, so it's this the social interactional uh, nature. And then uh, there is the system factors. And this is going to be, um, I mean, I, I think of it more as like an extension of the social. Um, it is just uh, the larger things that are also happening in society. So there are certain like things within the medical institutions that um, are like by law and that aren't by law and like things like that. There's I mean, things that are like government mandated, things that aren't government mandated. It's the access uh, to things like insurance uh, and things like that. Um, these other just like factors that are surrounding your own psychology and the ways that we interact with others. Um, in this specific paper, um, the, the patient factors um, that they pulled out um, were things uh, like catastrophizing, um, also um, anything that uh, deals with prayer or religious coping, uh, and uh, also deals with stoicism and um, positive thinking and exercise. Um, so these are some of the things that I'll, I'll be discussing. Then there's also, um, for the provider, um, the main thing uh, that we want to focus on here is how bias and discrimination uh, end up leaking into uh, these pain conversations and these uh, pain experiences, uh, particularly for the patient. And then uh, we also end up looking at the system factors. And this one, we really just uh, want to end up looking at um, this idea of healthcare access and all the things that might go on with that and how that ends up then influencing your outcomes when it comes to pain. And so with all these different factors, like, of course, like any, anyone could uh, go down this list and like say yes or no to any of these things, right? But the, what makes this like, especially like interesting is that when you, when, potentially when you ask people of different, um, of different backgrounds, of different racial ethnic backgrounds, that you'll find different patterns emerging. Uh, you'll find that different uh, patient factors are more likely to emerge in certain groups uh, of different backgrounds. You'll find that maybe um, certain uh, things don't come up for other people, right? Um, so like maybe for some people, it's really all about the patient uh, and, and what the provider does doesn't really matter because they're having a really good interaction with each other. Or it could be the, the exact opposite where, I mean, it, like your hands are really in, in, in the hands of, a, I mean, your fate is really in the hands of the provider. Um, 
and uh, I mean, maybe you have really bad interactions with them, and that ends up going down a whole different like set of consequences, right? So you can think of like how uh, this might. Um, if you wanted to compare uh, people that are black and, uh, versus people that are white, um, you can see that there might be differences in like, does the provider matter? Does uh, the, the system level uh, factors matter? Um, or is it more about the individual? Uh, or is it like really an interplay between all three of these things? Um, if you think about uh, men versus women um, and how those factors again might play out if you want to think about this like more intersectionally, um, you can think about how uh, for Black women, maybe this is going to be different uh, compared to white women. Uh, same for Black men or uh, white men. So all these things, um, I, I think you could look at any group of people and the, just the way that these three things might show up in these pain uh, experiences are going to be slightly different. And that's, that's exactly why we need to talk about it. So... Um, I guess I'll, I'll also say very quickly, um, and I, I was going back and forth on like, do I actually want to like have uh, like a podcast episode on this? Um, I, I think for now, at least, I will just leave it here at the conclusion of uh, what uh, a certain meta-analysis found um, and why, why we do need to really consider all these other factors. So this meta-analysis, uh, so a collection of studies um, to see what the average effect is across all these studies, they were looking at um, potential discrimination when it comes to, um, especially looking at pain relief uh, and the medication that doctors uh, will provide. And so what they did was uh, across all these different studies, they looked through, they found um, what, uh, they looked at what the conclusions were at each of these studies, and they found that uh, on average, um, any person of color uh, when they visit emergency departments, and so this was specifically for emergency, de uh, emergency departments, if they end up seeing a doctor for pain, um, any person of color, whether that is Asian, whether that is Hispanic, whether that is uh, Black, um, or even um, Native American, also um, a Hawaiian Pacific Islander, uh, for any person of color, they ended up leaving the emergency room uh, less likely to have something to actually relieve their pain, uh, and this, uh, and this is all compared to to white individuals. So uh, why, right? Like the the huge question there would be why? Why would this happen so repeatedly and so like um, reliably, uh, where uh, white individuals are more likely to have that that treatment in hand once they leave versus people of color? And that's exactly why uh, these. I'm going to have this conversation uh, regarding these other factors. Um, so this this paper that I'm talking about today it was another review. Um, so they they collected a lot of different uh, information here, um, and they they went through a lot of different studies to to find what are the main patterns uh, that are coming out. <laughs> and so they're finding. Um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go through this uh, one by one on each of the different levels. So for the psychological aspects, um, things like catastrophizing again. So uh, what does that even mean, right? Um, catastrophizing is just when you think about things uh, in, in a very extreme way, um, if you think that uh, because something happened to you, like maybe your life is over uh, and, and maybe, maybe it's just, it's not actually uh, necessary to like think of it uh, in that kind of way. Um, of course, there's certain things that like it is super necessary to, but it's, it's, um, it's an inappropriate conclusion based off of the actual circumstances. And so uh, you might hear people say things like, uh, like, I feel like I can't go on uh, when it comes to pain or when I, like if, if they end up saying things like, um, if, I, if I don't get the help right now, then I, I will end up uh, just like my whole life is going to be ruined uh, if I don't get this help. Um, or uh, like maybe they just think that the pain is going to last forever uh, and there's no, no cure for it or anything like that. Like it's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's turning the potentials into extremes. Um, and as you can imagine, like that, that's not going to end up like leading to very favorable kind of outcomes. Um, when people end up catastrophizing, that usually uh, ends up reducing things like well-being and their satisfaction with things. And in this case, they also end up feeling um, more pain. So this, of course, would happen across the board. But we also end up seeing that there is this, um, this difference when it comes to race ethnicity, that those that are Black and those that are Hispanic, they tend to catastrophize more often than whites. And 
uh, yeah, I mean, this, this leads to more stress uh, when it comes to their pain experience, um, which is going to worsen the outcomes. So why, again, why, why would that ever happen? Um, and I, I have a few different reasons, um, but I, I guess maybe even before that, I'll, I'll just quickly say that like catastrophizing isn't necessarily bad. Um, but I will say also, on average, it doesn't lead to the best outcomes. So what I mean by that is there are some times where let's say you are catastrophizing and like you're really catastrophizing because you want to like evoke a good response from somebody else because you really need that support uh, in that moment. And when you are making it super clear, like this is how I'm feeling, I, I, I feel like I, I really need help right now. Hopefully you have a good support system and they actually like hear you and they, they end up like meeting your needs in that moment. And I mean, sometimes like, yeah, I mean, do that, of course, right? Um, that's, that's completely okay. Like to, to, to want support, um, that, that's not something that you should ever feel bad about. Um, so this is just one way to, to get that response. Um, are there other ways? Of course. Um, but uh, this is one way. So why, why, why might that happen again? <laughs> so if, uh, in this case, if, if people are not being hurt, uh, and, and they might feel like they have to resort to catastrophizing. If you feel like uh, you've explained your condition so many times, if you've explained the way that you feel so many times, and you just, you haven't gotten that support yet, then you might feel like you need to really like uh, increase the way that you're expressing it. You have to make it a little bit more uh, dramatic in, in, in your face and you can't ignore it if that's the case, right? Um, but of course, I mean, we know that some people do still. Um, they will continue to, to dismiss you uh, and things like that. And so this um, this is obviously something I'll talk about um, in more detail later, um, but <clears throat> the idea that certain people just are not going to be listened to. Uh, they're not going to be understood. That absolutely happens on the basis of skin color and race and ethnicity. And so uh, you, it's, it's, uh, it's learned that like you, you really need to uh, speak uh, above and beyond to, to be heard. And so this idea of catastrophizing definitely, um, it goes hand in hand with that. Um, I'll leave that alone for now because uh, there's so many other things I want to get to. Um, <clears throat> when it comes to religion, uh, I think this is a huge one, uh, especially, um, I mean, globally, right? Like it doesn't matter uh, a lot of things, like plenty of people um, are, are religious. And so they, they also just end up turning to religion to cope. And that, of course, that makes total sense. When it comes to this, there are definitely mixed findings though. So. Religion, um, I, I, I think uh, it, it can be great because it, it allows you to soothe um, your emotional state. It allows you to feel like you are supported, like even if you don't have like that human connection um, and support, like you can say like you, you, you leave it in the hands of God and that that's, that's going to be uh, what, what gets you through something. Uh, and there's absolutely research that, that goes along with this um, that says those that are more uh, religious and that uh, pray more often, they end up um, having higher well-being uh, because they're more satisfied uh, with like, oh, like it really helped them with the process. It really helped them continue adhering to medication. It really helped you um, do all these things, right? But uh, there's the other side of it, which is uh, potentially if you are only relying on it and uh, you, you don't end up ever actually talking to a doctor and uh, or if you do talk to a doctor and then you, you leave it being like, I mean, what, what do they know? Um, like I, I, I have this religion to turn to instead. And that can be a, a very um, hard thing to, to grapple with because then, um, I mean, the, so the word in research would be that uh, this is a, a more passive approach, that this is, this is a passive coping um, uh, a technique. <clears throat> and so it's not uh, actively addressing the pain. Uh, instead, it's only focusing on your emotions. And so again, that can be great. But if you aren't, if you don't end up like not getting the medication that you need, if you end up not getting the treatment that you need, um, or if you just kind of like delay it longer and longer, um, then that's where it, it can be, uh, it can show these more like native outcomes. And so again, this, this uh, is different depending on race ethnicity that, um, 
if you uh, are someone who's uh, black or if you're Hispanic, then you tend to gravitate more toward um, religion. Um, and, and that's, again, that's so many factors that go into that. There's going to be um, like a distrust of the, the medical system uh, and for good reasons, right? Um, that, that there's so many more uh, people of color that ended up uh, dying in the hands of, uh, of medical uh, professionals. <clears throat> maybe you also just like you do, you're you're not understanding what's what's actually happening you don't understand what the diagnosis is you don't understand um, what the treatment options are and you end up just turning to religion rather than um, these other potential like proactive things that you could be doing for your own health and so um but yeah that's the, that's the basic thing on that um there's so much more research that needs to be done here though um these are just some of the like I mean, I, I kind of even want to say like just preliminary like kind of findings because there's so much more uh, to look into here. Um, I guess yeah, some of the things that you might want to look into is like for all these things, right? Like there's no one size fits all. There's no like because you are a certain group, because you, you are religious or not, because you pray to a certain God or not, right? Like all of those things, like there's no one answer that comes out of that. So we need to continue like figuring out like what are these other like specifics like on here so whether uh, you maybe you belong to a certain um sect within christianity and of course christianity is one of the biggest ones here because uh within america people of color and also uh white individuals like that's just that's the predominant uh, religion so um really doing some like fine grain like detailed work on that like maybe we'll, we'll find some other answers there um because yeah I mean, the, the doctrines that go on with like someone who is catholic versus protestant are gonna be different and the way that you, you might enact religion in your own health is gonna be different so yes more things to consider um <clears throat> there's this idea of stoicism and so stoicism is literally just like you aren't expressing anything right that um this also ends up becoming a culture thing that um and so the, the majority of the research uh, that's been done in the medical um literature uh, that deals with pain um is on hispanic individuals and so here it is that um this idea of stoicism uh, again like it it has um pros and cons um but as far as pain goes mostly uh, negatives unfortunately because that means that you are ignoring what's happening uh, and you're, you're you're ignoring the pain you're ignoring the signs that like you actually need to talk to somebody to like help uh, with, with this condition that you're having um but the the flip side of that is the the psychology behind it is um you you want to not express what you're feeling because that is going to be very burdensome to other people that means that uh, if you are now concentrating on your pain, that you are not doing the work that you need to be doing. You're not providing for your family in the way that you need to. Maybe you need to be out like doing chores. So maybe you need to be cooking. Maybe you need to be cleaning. Maybe you need to be picking up your children. Like whatever it is, like this pain kind of thing is just kind of a distraction, right? Like it's, it's uh, you don't need it right now. Uh, and that's not going to change the circumstances that like these other things need to happen. So um, you become stoic and you, you don't end up actually like thinking about your pain and expressing it in the ways that it needs to be expressed. Um, this uh, really is like, I, I think that's, it's, it's such a like great thought, right? But like, you, you want to be able to just like fend for your family and that you want to do something for them but if you don't end up taking care of yourself like that ends up um like making things much worse uh because let's say you're having this pain and that needs to be checked out and that that could be like a very like preventative sort of thing right that if you got that help earlier that would help prevent later consequences and you end up um, actually like being able to help your family more because you took care of the, the thing first rather than um leaving it until later and uh, yeah i mean that's and unfortunately like it's just 
it's not the case that that that, that happens, um, and that it again that it happens along these lines of race ethnicity, and it, it's not something to like be judgmental about. It's much more something to just be aware about and to be able to like talk to people about, um, especially if you are a medical provider, right? Like to know that these are some of the things that are happening in your patients' minds, and knowing that this is the psychology that they're bringing to the the interaction here, and so. The more that that can happen, the better that the interaction is going to be. The more that you can talk through what what are the actual like outcomes here, um, and all the other like uh, options of like if you do this now, then like you can prevent this later, like things like that. Um, yeah, there's so many like different framing uh, kind of messages there. Um, I think the last thing I'll talk about here uh, for, for the psychology, and like I'm, I'm looking at the time, like uh, there's no way I can get through everything here. Um, so I'll, I'll see, maybe maybe this is, uh, I'll, I'll end up like writing about this a little bit more because there's so much to talk about here. Uh, or maybe I do end up doing another podcast episode on this, like, because yeah, I mean, it's, it's great to just like sit and like think about and like see how this is actually, how this is actually relating to your own life. Like, has any of this been true for you so far? This is what studies have found, but like, is this true for you? Um, and is this something that now you can like either take with you or is this something that like, maybe maybe you need to like rethink or maybe uh, we need to rethink, right? So last thing I'll say for psychology is that um, there's this idea that you can, you can be very optimistic about things. Um, if you have positive thinking going into... Uh, these interactions that you have with uh, a provider and if you also like are, are physically active um like physical activity is probably one of the best interventions out there uh, when it comes to a lot of different conditions that we face as humans um understandably not a lot of people uh, like that uh, but the research does show that it ends up being the, like, among the most like reliable positive things that we can do for our lives. And so <clears throat> this, again, this uh, happens um, on the basis of race ethnicity, at least on average, that Asians tend to um, engage in, in positive thinking and in exercise a little bit more. And that helps the overall functioning that much more, right? Um, I think that is fairly straightforward, um, so I, I won't talk too much about that, but I will just say that that could go wrong uh, as well, right? So, like, for any of these things, like, there's never, again, the one-size-fits-all. Like, every situation is going to be a little bit different. Exercise is not going to fix everything, right? Um, if you uh, end up exercising when you have, like, severe pain and you end up making the condition worse, like, that is not going to help anybody. Um, so things to think about that, like, I don't want you to just like walk away and like be, uh, be like, oh, like I'm in pain, so I'm going to exercise now. That is not the message. Um, but thinking about on average, that if you are physically active, that could help um, with these kinds of conditions. Um, and having that optimism uh, alongside of it is great. Um, maybe I will just say like a couple more points before letting this go for today. Um, but I, I literally could, could talk for another at least half hour uh, on, on some of these things. So um, what I do wanna say is again, with all of everything that I've said so far, um, there are things that are on average. I think they are their points, whether they are uh, the first steps or they're more in the middle or whatever, right? Like wherever that is, uh, as far as the research goes, <laughs> there's more work to do. There's more to actually figure out here. There's more to uncover. And so with any of this, um, if, it, if it hasn't resonated with you, if it has resonated with you, we still need to figure out why this is all happening. Um, and we need to continue to disentangle this, like, is it really race ethnicity? Is it really other cultural things? What is like the actual process of events here, right? Because I mean, simple things like, like what, what exactly is catastrophizing from culture to culture, from ethnic background to ethnic background? What exactly is um, stoicism? 
in, in these different cultures and thinking about like, what are the precursors? What are the predictors of this? Why are people engaging in this? Like we have some ideas, but really understanding like, oh, this is actually why they're doing this. And like, that's, that, that makes sense. Like we can work with that kind of thing. Um, and like, <clears throat> if we can work with that, that means like, well, we can also potentially change that. Um, like it's again, there are pros and cons to all of this. Uh, and it, I mean, to some degree, it's it's going to be just like what what do you value uh, out of this? Like, I hope that you always value yourself and your own health and your own well being. Um, but understandably, circumstances can be very tough, and you just end up focusing more on like your family and like what can you do for them? How can you provide for them? Um, or if you are very like anxious and fearful of like what are the potential um, situations that you might get yourself into uh, in this this medical like field, um, you don't know these doctors. You don't know. You don't necessarily trust them. You don't know what the treatment options are. You don't know how that's going to be affecting you. You don't know how lo long you have to like take off from work. You don't know if you're going to be able to afford it. Um, if you're less likely to to have the insurance, um, that's that's going to be it's gonna be tough right um to ever pay for this even with insurance like it's gonna be tough to pay for some of these things like uh, unfortunately we just don't have the best like healthcare system in that kind of regard in, in america so um of course these are all considerations that you should be making um and these are not just considerations you should be making alone these should be things that you can talk through with your your provider uh, and that they should be able to be like open to like that conversation and actually like discuss with you like hey like i hear you uh, on this have you thought about it this way um or whatever it is right to make sure that that people are, are living the, the healthiest and less like least pain-free lives as possible like that'd be great um so yeah i mean i just i made a dent into the psychological factors um so the, the things that, that are still here, uh, to, that are on the table that, to talk about, there's still the whole idea of perceived bias and discrimination, which we, we absolutely know is true, that, that this happens. Um, it's reported <coughs> that uh, half of Hispanic-speaking people, um, uh, they uh, end up perceiving that they have been discriminated against. Um, so 50%. This only increases uh, for, for Black Americans that uh, it's actually up to 70% that feel like they have been discriminated at some point. And so, of course, with discrimination comes more stress and just less like mental faculty to like deal with the pain or like deal with the pain in like an adaptive way or like whatever, right? Like, it's it's tough, right? Like if you're if you're bogged down by by life and and not because of you, anything that you've ever done, just because society treats you a certain way and perceives you a certain way, that's going to get in the way of of being able to take care of yourself. And, and like we we have to like do something about that. Like we can't just like leave that there, right? So I I I want to say so many things, um, but. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue a little bit. I'm gonna because I, I think it, it'd be nice to hear uh, the rest of this. So I I'm gonna try to pick out some of the, the main points here. Um, I could go in more detail on any of these in future episodes if if anyone does want to hear more. Um, but let me just like pick out a few things. So maybe the the biggest way that um, people of color. Um, feel uh, discriminated against and uh, just like misunderstood in, in general when it comes to these doctor-patient interactions is that uh, there's three things. So there is the idea that their pain just isn't being understood. And so this could be evidenced by things like maybe your provider is asking so many questions and it's just like, okay, so like well, I have to explain so much, just like get like heard here. Um, so maybe you just, you're not understanding something, like something is missing. Or it could be like your provider, like maybe they, they heard everything that you said, but like they just didn't actually like respond. Uh, and like, you would think that like, oh, like I'm in pain here. Like you would actually respond if you understood like that I was actually in pain, right? Um, so there's that whole idea that like they don't feel like their, their pain is being understood. There's the idea that, 
um, maybe your pain is uh, being heard at the very least, but like, it's just, it's not being uh, believed um, that, and, and this might come across in ways of like, maybe your provider is saying like, oh, like, did that really happen? Or like, are you sure you're feeling that way? Uh, or like things like that, like these, these clarifications that like, as long as you were paying attention and like heard them, like don't need to be questioned. Um, maybe you want to ask like other questions about like, oh, like what happened right before that pain or like what's happening now or like things like that. But like th those other like questions uh, can be very dismissing um, that um, you're just, you're not being believed here. Um, and maybe you feel like you, maybe you shouldn't have any right uh, to be, like be here in, in this interaction and like say anything more about your pain. Um, or uh, they just feel like their provider doesn't care. Um, it, it, maybe they understand that you're in pain. Maybe they understand that, uh, how it happened and all that and like what we can do about it, but they just don't really care. They're not showing any kind of like empathy uh, for your pain um, or any like proactive um, like, treatment uh, uh, for it. And they just like move on to something else, um, which like potentially there is something else to talk about in, in that meeting. But um, I mean, you were here for pain. So like you still want to talk about pain uh, and, and what to do about that. So those are those are three main reasons uh, for why uh, this ends up happening. Uh, this is uh, perceived discrimination. Um, of course, when all these things happen, then that leads to things like hopelessness um, that I mean, you, you came to a person literally for help and that person uh, is not helping you. So you feel a little bit less hopeful about like, oh, like this can be a positive thing. Like, yes, I can actually like get help for this. Like, uh, and like, again, that sort of like leads back to this idea of like catastrophizing that like, if you're feeling discriminated against, like, oh, maybe it is actually logical to think that like, oh, I'm never going to get help uh, because um, this provider, I mean, like this person who's literally, I'm paying you to help me right now, but it's, I'm not being helped. Um, that, that can end up uh, and through like a whole negative cycle of things um, that, that lead to that catastrophizing. Um, there are also just other misconceptions um, that, that lead to uh, bias, which like these are things that are like literally never taught, but for whatever reason, doctors just have this perception. Um, so there are two that I found were just like so completely like shocking uh, seeing this in the literature that um, uh, providers end up thinking that black people have higher pain tolerance um, as if like, how, how, how is that the case? Um, of course there are differences um, in, in their, in people's skin um, and, and things like that. But like that, doesn't necessarily mean that nerve endings are suddenly like working differently. Like there's still human biology that, uh, that works across people. Um, so just the idea that like you, you somehow someone ends up having more pain tolerance on the basis of skin. Um, of course, some people have more tolerance than others, but like as a race, racial ethnic kind of thing, I don't think so. Um, and so this is also like followed by the thought that um, um, people that are black end up having thicker skin, like literally thicker skin, which again, like there's nothing that says that. That's not something that's taught. That's never something that like occurs in medical school. And yet that is something that medical providers are somehow walking away with. Um, so yeah, and it's super shocking, right? That like that, that could even like happen um, for these people that are super educated and like, I mean, they're, they're yeah, smart people, right? Um, Medical school is tough, um, and, and yet these other biases, they, they still creep in. Um, there's also things about, like, within the interactions, when it comes to people of certain uh, racial ethnic backgrounds, um, so if, if someone is uh, Black uh, and your provider is trying to figure out a treatment option for you, that actually depends on um, how much is going on in their mind, basically. So it's this term called cognitive load. And if, if um, physicians have a higher cognitive load, that means there's more on their mind. For whatever reason, that just means that they're less likely to prescribe opioids, um, things that might uh, reduce pain. Uh, the opposite is also true, where uh, medical providers, if they have less on their mind, if they have a lower cognitive load, then they are more likely to prescribe it. Nothing else has changed. Nothing about the explanation has changed. Nothing uh, about the person has changed, except for the provider. Um, and again, 
these are averages. Not every provider will, will do this, right? Um, but something to be aware about is like just doctors themselves, like they, they are going through things. They, they just saw like 50 patients before you potentially. Um, and now, now they're here and they're, they're still thinking about like, oh, like all these other things about like these other patients and all the, the conditions and like what they have to research still and like things like that. And then they come here and they would just want to be able to like give you a quick treatment. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, like it's, it's a very like, it's a fallible like process, like you can make mistakes along the way. And so we, we, I think as, as individuals, we do have to advocate for ourselves and like treat them as if like, Hey, like I'm the actual like, expert of my own body. Like I understand what's happening here uh, to some degree, <clears throat> you have the technical expertise, but like, I, I have the actual like experience. Um, so we, we need to like hear each other out here. Um, but of course that can't happen that way. Um, stress, stress affects everyone. Right. Um, and I mean, yeah, there's, there's plenty of things that we could do for this. Um, uh, it would mostly involve a lot of changes to like the medical system, but like that doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, so there are like other interventions that could happen where like we can figure out how do we actually help doctors in the moment to make sure that they're making the best decisions. Um, and so, I mean, easily like stress reduction, like sorts of techniques that could be taught uh, and easily implemented, um, simply like breathing techniques or um, uh, mindfulness techniques, like things like that, right? Like those help. And, and like, if you just need like a short-term like fix, like that's absolutely gonna help. Um, so <sighs> there's that whole aspect here. Um, other things that go on with this. Um, so I, I, I think we, we like to think of people as uh, equal, potentially. Uh, we like to assume uh, experience of, of people and things like that. Uh, unfortunately, like that, that's not going to work because um, everyone's experiences are different uh, and the backgrounds are different and their family is different and things like that. Um, but on average, um, people that are, are more likely to go along with uh, treatment options such as knee surgery, let's say. Knee surgery being like, I mean, it's pretty like major thing to have to go through. It's going to impact your life on multiple levels. <clears throat> um, but uh, white individuals end up um, going along with knee surgery more often than black individuals. So why might that be the case? Because <clears throat> uh, in part, there is just the idea that... Um, white individuals have seen other people successfully go through knee operations more often, um, whether it is someone that is close to them, um, but or like someone that's at least in their like social network to some degree, uh, compared to black individuals that um, just, just literally don't have that experience. Um, and often actually like have uh, like the opposite experience that uh, someone could have a surgery and actually like end up like feeling worse or like really like be debilitated like for a while. Um, so uh, there's these kinds of things that like need to be uh, talked through. Uh, and of course, like when, when you have uh, no understanding of what these procedures are, or the doctors haven't taken the time to explain that to you then you might turn to alternatives, which is also more likely um, for people of color in, in general um, to, to, to turn to prayer, uh, to turn to other alternative medicine uh, sort of things, because <clears throat> there's just, there's a lack of communication between the provider and the, the patients. Uh, and you can see like that, that is, that's, that's a bias uh, that needs to be corrected for. That is, whether that is like overt, like conscious, like actual uh, discrimination could be debated, but also it doesn't matter because it's happening. And so that needs to be like rectified. Um, okay. So uh, I, I've definitely gone over time, <laughs> but uh, this is, I mean, super important um, that, and, and needed the time um, to, to go over. Um, there's, there's so many other things uh, that go on with this. Um, I, I'll leave it at this last point of, um, of insurance, <clears throat> that when it comes to all these other things, um, insurance matters so much uh, that you're going to have access to different medical facilities, to different doctors, um, and different experiences because of insurance. And 
um, there's, there's a good percentage of people that are not insured. And that, of course, again, is a factor um, based on race ethnicity. Uh, I believe it's 94, 94% um, of white individuals have insurance. Uh, 90% of Hispanics have uh, insurance. And then 84% uh, of um, Black individuals have insurance. <laughs> And of course, uh, like I'm leaving out uh, all, a lot of, of uh, ethnicities here, um, but thinking about like who's most impacted by this, it's definitely going to be um, these two groups of color. And so um, even within that, even if you do have insurance, um, much more likely that <clears throat> those that are Hispanic and those that are Black end up having um, uh, like government kind of uh, things, right? Things like Medicaid, things like Medicare and great programs uh, in their own right. It's, it, it makes insurance affordable. It makes procedures affordable. It makes a lot of things affordable, but also quality ends up um, lacking uh, sometimes because of this. And not necessarily just because like the providers are bad, it's just because they don't have the resources to make it a high functioning facility for the patients. There are literally going to be procedures that you just, you can't get done at some of these locations because they are there as like a safety net and, and to make sure that everyone has access to some degree. But what does it matter if, if that access isn't great, right? Um, what you get access to isn't great. And so um, what I'll say with that is like, you can see why something like this super like societal level sort of thing, it creeps into all these other uh, factors that I've talked about here. It, it creeps into, um, I mean, at the large level, it just literally means that you're not going to go to certain locations because you can't, you can't afford it. You can't uh, go out of network, whatever. But then how it might uh, end up um, uh, influencing things like the actual communication that happens between the patient and the provider, the other like discriminatory factors that go into this, that like you can be um, like typeset in a, a certain way, you can be stereotyped in a certain way because you're someone who has this um, like low basis insurance and off of that alone. Um, and it, again, because that's so coupled with the color of our skin that that ends up reducing the quality of your care. And of course, not right. Um, but what do people do about that? That means that you're gonna be more, less likely to actually go to that provider. You're gonna be less likely to go to that uh, facility. And that could be for just emotional reasons. That could be for practical reasons too, that like, you're not gonna get the care that you need anyway from that place. They're gonna send you off to a different place and then you have to pay extra money to go to this other place. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, maybe if we go back to like the idea of just like knee surgery, like you won't necessarily get that knee surgery at that place uh, that, that you go to, as opposed to if you went to a, like a private practice that like has their whole like hospital that like um, serves people uh, that are affluent, that have money, um, they likely just have the resources and they can do something about that, right? So uh, again, what do, what do people do? Uh, you might cope in certain ways. You might just like focus more on your emotions and feel like just like trying to feel good, feel good enough um, rather than getting the care that you need. Um, maybe that means like, I literally have to think about, I have a certain amount of money and that money can either go to me taking care of my pain or that can go to like my family. And that also, I mean, both of these things show up in research that given the choice, um, people of color might end up actually choosing, I, I can use this money for my family rather than for my pain. I'm just going to like um, keep going and keep doing my duties here. So I say all this, right? I say all this not necessarily as like truths and that this is going to happen for every individual. I say this as points of conversation that need to be occurring, that need to be happening, particularly between their patients and the providers, um, but they don't. Uh, they don't necessarily happen. Uh, again, some people I'm sure do. Some people, some providers will have the education and like the the that knowledge and that experience. So like, oh, I should be asking like these questions and like actually understanding like the, the patient's life. So I understand what treatments to give them and how to explain it to them and like things like that. Um, 
literally also like language like it can i have an interpreter in the room uh i was like of course that has like so many other um potential like pros and cons but like at least the language is like you're speaking the right language at, at that level right like <clears throat> that's yeah that's a whole other thing like and that could, could and deserve its own podcast episode um so okay like i said uh those are some of the things that go into this idea um when it comes to pain, we cannot be neglecting these uh, these factors, um, these psychological factors that vary across race, race ethnicity, these um, social factors that vary across race ethnicity, um, the structural factors as well. And so uh, I, I, I want to go ahead and, and wrap this up, um, but I, I will repeat that this this is meant to be a conversation this is not meant to be like the truth and like you walk away as like this is the only way that things can ever happen there are plenty of of, of positive cases uh, that happen there are plenty of people uh, of all different ethnicities that get the help that they need it is just unfortunate that uh it's more likely that if you're a person of color you're not going to get the help that you need and and, and the, the, all of these factors contribute to that so um I, uh, yeah, th this has potentially been heavy again. Uh, so if it was, I hope that you still got something from this. I hope that you still were able to hear uh, something that like resonated with you and your experience and something that you can maybe also take into your next visit potentially. And you can tr uh, try to like dictate that conversation and like bring up things that like maybe you're assuming your provider knows, but actually if they have no clue um, and, and that you need to bring up so that both sides are, are more educated on like what to do going forward. So uh, I'm gonna leave this here. Um, I hope that there's something positive that comes out of this conversation. I hope that I also hear from, from you all. And I, I wanna hear like, is this your experience? Is this not your experience? And maybe why or why not? Who knows, but something. Uh, something would be good and that will help make research that much better and hopefully also get back to you that much better so um what are we doing <laughs> coming up um we i do want to talk about um ways that we can help like rectify some of these things some of these biases and also like what helps actual like pain patients um because at the end of the day like yes all these things occur but like still we, we live in a world uh like what so what like we need to do something about that like we can't just like leave it here so what actually does help um and then uh, also thinking just about like how can we improve pain uh communication and measurement and things like that um so that's that's what's going to be coming up in the next couple of weeks and um in the meantime uh we we have a whole bunch of other content that is still being produced um these infographics the uh write-ups the blog posts uh all of that is still going to be up um so <clears throat> i have all that on pain and on uh, many other topics so please check it out that is going to be on roomforresearch.com and then uh, also on our social media that is room for research um, that is on all uh, major platforms so feel free to check that out. And until next time, um, thank you. Thank you for your time. Uh, I, again, this is, this is a, a lot to process. So I hope that you can take the time to, to process this and walk away with something of use here. So until next time, bye for now.